I'm Andrew Smith, and this is Today in Church History, a place we're reminded that history is truly His story. History is the story of God and the demonstration of His glory in the theater of world events. Now today is not February 29th, 2020, but I still want to commemorate what occurred on February 29th, 1528, because that has a significant impact in Scottish Reformation history. Currently, I'm visiting in Los Angeles, California, and don't have my normal equipment to do these podcasts. But it dawned on me that it would be another four years before I could talk about this event. On February 29, 1528, Patrick Hamilton was martyred. In 1505, a light arose in the darkness of the diocese in Glasgow, Scotland. Patrick Hamilton was of noble birth, born to Sir Patrick Hamilton and Catherine Stewart. His mother's father was the second son to James II of Scotland, thus making Patrick a great-grandson of the king. But God destined this young boy to become a noble ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. His life would be short, literally cut short, yet his impact would be felt for generations to come. He would later be recognized as the first preacher and martyr of the Scottish Reformation. If his physical pedigree was impressive, his theological pedigree much more. Patrick's place in history was orchestrated by the mighty hand of God, causing him to brush shoulders with some of the most influential men of the Protestant Reformation. Now, this can only be explained by God's providence when one considers Hamilton's youth, as well as his opportunities to travel and live abroad in Europe far away from his native Scotland. His gentle demeanor and gracious disposition, combined with his unflinching boldness to preach the pure gospel when virtually nobody was doing so in Scotland, can only be explained by the light of the gospel changing his own heart. Now, in order to understand Hamilton's impact, we must briefly sketch the sinful climate of his day. The soil on which the seed of the word was cast did not mirror the soft, lush fields of Scotland. First, mankind was seedy and superstitious. Casual blasphemy abounded, phrases about the Lord Jesus that I won't repeat on this podcast, ones I could barely write on the printed page. Sorcery flowing from a sturdy paganism and mysticism had long been the heritage of Scotland, an activity of Satan, no doubt. The French even had a saying about Scotland, calling this island nation the favorite home of the devil. Second, the monasteries were gainful and greedy. Their priests taking whole cows, for example, as payment for funerals when the family only owned two or three at the most. The bishops, well, they weren't any better. Instead of being concerned about giving the people the word of God, they were preoccupied with providing luxurious accommodations for their illegitimate sons and seeking wealthy husbands for their illegitimate daughters. Young Hamilton, like so many of the reformers, first began to see red flags in the church through his observation of the priesthood. For his part, Patrick had first-hand encounters. Patrick's place was in the monastery, being given the title abbot as a very young teenager. Though never receiving priestly orders himself, he knew the lifestyles and habits of the monks well. A common proverb, like priest, like people, fit Patrick Hamilton's context well. Third, the monarchy was unholy. King James V lived a scandalous life, and his immorality leaked down from the top. But change was coming, and God would use Hamilton's connections with the outside world to unleash a revival. Patrick's place was not only in the monastery, but also the academy. 
His title as abbot provided him a handsome salary, which he used to study at the University of Paris, the same place of Erasmus, who had introduced the concept of ad fontes, back to the sources. Ad fontes was an academic principle encouraging the study of Greek and Latin texts. The reformers adopted the principle, using it to say, basically, hey, we need to get back to the Bible. The biblical text of the church was written in Latin, that is, the Latin Vulgate, sermons were preached in Latin, and the New Testament was written in Greek. God sovereignly placed Patrick in this university, providing him with an education, encouraging him to get back to the sources. For Patrick, this meant getting back to the Bible. But Patrick's intellectual quest turned theological when he ended up in Wittenberg, the very place that Luther was a professor. He had heard from the professors in Paris to avoid Luther, but as is so often the case, curiosity providentially led him to truth. And Hamilton ended up having supper at Luther's home and visited Luther's church where he heard enthusiastic hymn singing for the very first time, including a rousing sermon by Luther himself. The die was cast. God had his hand on Patrick's place in history. A Scottish Reformation was brewing. God was sovereignly stirring Hamilton's heart. And yet another providential meeting, Hamilton rubbed shoulders with none other than William Tyndale, the father of the English Bible. Now the culmination of these providential meetings, combined with the work of the Spirit in changing his own heart, Hamilton could keep silent no longer. He penned the only extant document of his we still have today, entitled Patrick's Places. The point of this work was to declare that salvation was by grace alone through faith alone. But Hamilton was not finished. He had an urge that he could no longer keep from his native Scotland, and his path back to the Bible created a course back across the ocean to Scotland. So he returned there in 1527 at the age of 23. He preached in his hometown and the surrounding parishes. He preached to family, to friends, to anybody who would give an ear. One historian writes, and I quote, Never did the silver trumpet sound more sweetly or more richly, and as it fell on the ears of men who had never heard it before, it was at once recognized as the trumpet of heaven, end quote. But another trumpet would also blow. This one from the high church courts and the powerful Archbishop Beaton, who summoned Hamilton to St. Andrews. Hamilton would be tried on several counts of heresy, high crimes the church simply could not tolerate. What were these high crimes? Well, they included his teaching that man had no free will, that sinners are justified by faith alone in Christ alone, that all men, as long as they have breath in their lungs, are sinners through and through, that Christians will make good works, but good works do not make Christians, that an evil man proves he is evil by his evil works. Hardly heresy. On February 29, 1528, Patrick Hamilton was burnt directly in front of St. Salvatore's Chapel at St. Andrews. The heretic's stake would be the final place Patrick would stand on this earth before he stood before the Lord in heaven. This man died with great courage in the midst of flames, which took six hours before his body was consumed. Prior to his execution, he gave away his pocket New Testament of the four Gospels, for he would soon hear the very voice of Christ himself in heaven, and needed it no longer. He marched with quick and resolute paces straight toward the stake. One writer of history of the Scottish Reformation tells about his torture, revealing to us a conversation with a friar who was mocking Hamilton even as the flames began tormenting him. 
I'll let this writer of history share the rest. He says, and I quote, The innocent servant of God being bound to the stake in the midst of some coals, some timber, and other matter appointed for the fire, a train of powder was made and set on fire, which neither kindled the wood nor yet the coals. And so remained the appointed to death in torment, till men ran to the castle again for more powder, and for wood more able to take fire, which at last being kindled, with a loud voice he cried, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. How long shall darkness overwhelm the realm? How long wilt thou suffer this tyranny of men? The fire was slow, and therefore was his torment the more. But most of all was he grieved by certain wicked men, amongst whom Alexander Campbell, the black friar, was principal, who continually cried, Convert, heretic! Call upon Our Lady! Say, Salve, Regina! Which was another way of saying, Cry out to Mary. To whom Hamilton answered, Depart and trouble me not, ye messengers of Satan. This witness of Jesus Christ got victory. After long sufferance, the last of February, in the year of God, 1,528 years. The friar that had been mocking Hamilton died within a few days. It would be another 15 years before another pure preacher of the gospel would arise in Scotland. His name? George Wissert. Wissert would also be put to death by Archbishop Beaton. But Wissert had a disciple, considered to be the primary mover and shaker of the Protestant Reformation, namely John Knox. Oh, Knox? He was the writer of history I just quoted who recorded the occasion of Hamilton's death. Hamilton died on February 29, 1528, at the young age of 24. But his gospel voice carried on through the boldness of Wissert and then Knox himself, one of the greatest of all the reformers. Who would have thought revival would ever have come to immoral and superstitious Scotland? Well, for the same reason it ever happens. Sin brings despair, since wickedness and misery are bound together in a holy matrimony. When the guilty hear the refreshing and hopeful news of the gospel, and the Spirit of God sovereignly moves, Christ simply becomes irresistible. Because what is impossible for man is possible with God. Patrick's place in history was right where God wanted it to be. The last image we have of him is his place in history right there at that stake, where he refused to yield on the truth of the gospel. What an example. What a reminder. God can and does bring revival. He asks us to join him with faith and hope as we declare the good news of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Today in Church History. To access more of these podcasts, you can visit Apple iTunes and simply search for Today in Church History. Remember that history is spelled H-I-S hyphen S-T-O-R-Y. If you'd like, you can also visit my website, www.heartaflame.org. There you'll find various articles, sermons, and an archive of all the podcasts. Until next time, this is Andrew Smith.